Alright, now that we don't we don't we don't we didn't mean that. Anyway, so re- re- in re- recent podcasts we were talking about trends and influences that we have on uh, programming in general. Um, and we were talking uh, often about the use or the philosophy West Side has. I was wondering if you could, both of you, elaborate on what the West Side philosophy is uh, for those people who don't know what it is, um, why it's cool, and what other programming influences do you use in your method of programming? And what are, this, was, this is going to be a little bit weird one, what are some strange programming methods that you've read about that at its surface are weird, but had some cool ideas that you incorporated in your programming? Um, I think I'm frozen now too, but uh, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how any of this works out. Um, We'll start off just, I have a note on my phone that says West Side's the best side. Um, So we'll start there. Um, West Side, whether you want to call it conjugate, concurrent, I don't care. It's just, it's it's a form of programming um, West Side, you, you're not doing West Side unless you're at West Side Barbell with Louis Simmons. So we're doing a variation of it. Um, the idea being that you're um, working on speed work, working on max effort. So you're learning how to strain and then building up a bunch of weaknesses. Um, I think one thing that we do very differently than a lot of other um, coaches and lifters and um, teams is that we do a lot of assistance work. Um, it probably makes up 70 to 80% of our programming compared to on most people, it's probably the opposite. Um, you know, 70, 80% is the main lifts. Um, I kind of get that from West side, but I also get that farther back from um, a lot of my other influences. I guess we'll talk about that a- uh, after, but um, West side for me is it, to boil it down to like the simplest term is lift lightweights fast, and then body build, and then lift heavy weights as heavy as you can, and then body build. Um, I know a lot of coaches in powerlifting will say that bodybuilding is a waste of time. My argument is always, and I've said this on here a bunch of times, is that if there's a weak link, a max effort lift will find it. Um, so to just give an example, you know, like if your hamstrings are weak, well, when you load up a max deadlift, you're going to break down, and, and it might be okay up until 90%, and then after that, all of a sudden you'll see you know, technique breakdown and you'll see mislifts and it's because the hamstrings. So you basically have two ways to look at it. You can either do submaximal lifts and train the hell out of the deadlift to make it better. uh, Or you can train the weak point to make it better. Um, I do a little bit of both. I don't think it's smart to get rid of the lift. So we'll still deadlift, but we're also going to hammer the hamstrings. Um, You know, vice versa. We're like, if someone's triceps are their weak point in their bench, we're still going to bench. We're not going to just do like high board pressing. We're going to do benching, but we're also going to do close grip work and board pressing and tricep press downs where a lot of coaches, like I said, will just stick to the submaximal work, getting more reps in with the bench press uh, to get better at it that way. And I think they both work. I just, I think West side's method and how, and how I've just bastardized it completely. I mean, if you looked at it, you wouldn't see West side. Um, is that it keeps it more fun um, instead of doing the same thing over and over, you know, like you guys know, we're, we're throwing in supplemental lifts. Uh, when I say supplemental, you know, things are very close to the main lift. 
maybe a high bar squat or a safety squat bar squat or close grip bench press, something like that, that are similar but different. So it gives you something, you know, different to work on that you can bring up. Um, and if it's a weakness, it gives you a new goal. Um, and like I said before, like the bodybuilding stuff, so you, you know, you're doing dumbbell rows and front raises and tricep press downs and you're trying to, you know, get stronger at those. And also I think people that lift weights want to look like they lift weights. Uh, there's a lot of powerlifters that sometimes don't look like they actually work out. Um, so I think people want to, you know, do some of those, uh, you know, beach muscles, the abs, the pecs, the biceps, the glutes, the calves, because they want to look like they actually work out instead of just being, you know, that, that weird, uh, the word powerlifter build of, you know, big back, big lats, <laughs> big, you know, sometimes big legs, not even always big legs. And just not that, you know, that kind of a weird build. So it's a really long answer about what Westside is, or I go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the way that just in general, how like I think everyone gets a different program at the gym, but in general, we have the same kind of guidelines and philosophies that we kind of share with each other. The idea of um, attacking weak points and, and the idea of kind of varying things over time, so it's not. You know, you're you're addressing different issues in the lift or working towards different goals. Um, it's kind of morphed at least since I've gotten to the gym and then kind of began coaching. Because we kind of in the beginning, like, because I mean, you ran five three one forever, and then from that, there's still like ideas from that that we pull from. Uh, I remember being like, I've run Juggernaut Cube every like every big like for the most part powerlifting program, and I think we've taken ideas. <laughs> that have stuck and it's not like they're that different, but we pull different ideas from different people. So I think in general, you can compare it to like the philosophy of West side, which is wherever uh, using attacking multiple or bringing up multiple levels of fitness at the same time and using uh, working towards different goals that aren't just the big three. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, we, uh, we pull from a lot of people all the time. I think we were constantly talking about new ideas to incorporate and see if they work. Um, but the general idea is, is, is stayed sort of the same for a while. Yeah. I mean, I think I've kept it like that recently just cause it, it's worked. Um, but yeah, like I'm any, anything I read or see or hear that works well, like I'm 100% going to steal it. And, but that doesn't mean I'm going to steal the whole thing and do it word for word, uh, set for set. We're going to, I'm going to take that. I'm going to apply it to what <coughs> I think works and see how it fits. Um, if it fits, we'll work it in. Um, if it doesn't fit, then maybe we're not, maybe not, maybe we'll try something else to go, you know, but in, in try to vary it. Um, but I don't think that, you know, the same program works for everyone. And I don't think, um, that everyone should be doing the same thing. I think like, you know, a lot of people do need different things for different reasons, either physical or mental, whatever it is, technical. They just, it's good to do more than one. Um, and I like to think of you guys as not just, powerlifters. I generally try to think of it as like your people first and then you're an athlete and then you're a powerlifter and then a squatter, bencher, deadlifter. So, you know, being like, you know, as a person that you should be in some kind of shape, hopefully. Um, so you're not going to come into the gym and have a heart attack for no reason. Um, you know, be able to do general levels of fitness, be able to move and just things that you need to be able to do in everyday life. And then an athlete, you know, that goes back to the assistance. You know, I, we do a ton of assistance work because I want you guys to be able to do things. Um, so when you're, 
So when you want to do something different other than the three lifts, you can. Um, I think of like, I, I talked to Lauren about this recently, like when lifting doesn't necessarily make me feel athletic, um, but like sprinting still does because it's like, feels like I was playing sports again. Um, but I know like a lot of people, if they, you know, if they can't do those things, they'll go out and sprint and they'll get hurt. Um, so like I said, I want you to be able to do something, you know, whether it be go out and, um, run because like, you, you know, you can't get to the gym or go out and play kickball or like for me is run around our deck for an hour chasing my daughter. Um, I'd like to not get a hamstring pull doing that. Um, and then next is lifters. Like you guys are power lifters. So you should be focusing on the big three lifts and get better at those. And then squat bench dead and like focus on each one and bring up what we need to do. But I, like I said, I just think there's lots of ways to do that. And I just, I, I like the West side way. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> just to go back to the point too, of just being like a well-rounded athlete too. I think it, the idea of it's still dip type of thing. The idea of, uh, just going back to like the whole idea of, of bodybuilding, not being a part of something you want to do. And it's more than, I think people see it as like a vanity thing. And I, and I, I guess I can understand that, but it's not, I mean, if you could build up a little more muscle in, in certain areas, if you can get some more blood flow to your joints that you're not getting by just doing three lifts. And if you could just generally move better, uh, you'll overall be better, but like it would, it would translate well to the sport you're working towards anyway. So I think in, in, we are thinking big picture, like, be a better athlete, um, but it, it's still just I, in my eyes. I always, I always get annoyed. People are like this is no carryover, no carryover. I'm like, well, it, it does. You're just looking at a very narrow view of what you think the carryover is. The lift, there's still carryover. If it, it like doing one exercise that might not have a direct relation to you seeing more weight on the bar, that that's true. But like you doing becoming a better athlete, building more muscle, getting better shape. Uh, more mobility, stability, anything. It, it, it all still translates back to the sport. And I think there's this narrow view um, lately in powerlifting where it's like, if it doesn't carry over, then why the fuck do it? And that's just fucking dumb to me. So I, I think more like, like you said, it's it, like, it's not a direct maximal weight carryover, like something like yeah. dumbbell flies. Like I'll be honest, I didn't do, I didn't program dumbbell flies for a long time. And I started doing it again because started seeing people not even hurt, just, you know, shoulders get a little bit aggravated, um, pecs get a little aggravated, and I'm using dumbbell flies more so for that stretch in the bottom to, like, come through here, get that good stretch, uh, more so than, like, a pec exercise. Um, right. I, don't, I don't think by doing sets of 12 dumbbell flies, your bench is going to go up 20 pounds. Um, if it does, then holy shit. Right. Uh, that's <laughs> amazing. Like, I can't, yeah. But I'm thinking of it like, okay, maybe those three sets of 12 dumbbell flies are going to keep your shoulders healthy, which means that you can bench more often, which means your bench can go up 20 pounds. Um, back work. Um, when someone says the back is not needed because it's not the main mover in any lift, I lose my shit. Um, we do at least one back exercise every day. Uh, most of it is rowing stuff, but we do some uh, shrugs, some uh, pull-ups or pull-downs. Um, it's a supporting movement, a supporting muscle group in every lift. Um, so we'll do back like crazy. Where a lot of coaches like don't even program back work. That's mesmerizing to me. Like I can't even understand how you would not do that. Like you look at a guy like Bill Kazmaier or Ed Cohn, where their backs are this wide, and how would you not want to do back work and like and, and get better? Um, that's mind-boggling. Uh, 
Um, and if you look at, again, we'll bring, I'll bring it back towards West side. Like they do back work all the time. So like they do it all the time. And then talking to, uh, Jeremy Hartman, um, Jeremy is one that pushed me a little bit more. Like I was already doing back work every day. And then he was telling me how heavy some of the back work they do is. And I was like, Oh shit, we don't do that. Um, you know, we're doing band face pulls and he's like, yeah, we're doing 80 pound weight stack face pulls. I was like, ha 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 ha, we're doing five. Um, so I think, you know, it's just another thing, but like when I think of Westside, like I said, I, I mean, it, obviously Westside is living in that crew, but I think of it as the same thing, just attack your weaknesses, crush them and then find a new weakness and crush that. And every time you find a new one, focus on it get better at that, move to the next one. There's always something you can, no one can tell me that they have no weak point in a lift, whether it be technical or muscular and that just doing the lift over and over is going to make them better. I think that works for beginners. Um, and then for that huge broad range of intermediate lifters, I think you need a much bigger pool of exercises. And then when you get to a level where you're probably at the top, maybe you need to start cutting out some of those exercises you know, when you're, when you're benching 500 plus pounds as a 93, like I'm not sure how much tricep press downs are helping anymore. Um, but you know, they didn't, they didn't hurt you. They got you, they, they did help. They helped you develop. Um, now you just have things that you have to focus on more. Um, and you learn those by doing more things. Cause if you don't do those things, what do you know what works? You know, Dave Tate, um, Joe DeFranco always talk about indicator lifts. Like you know, if my floor press is this, then I know my, my full range bench press is this. And I use those a ton. Um, if I see that someone's, uh, high bar is 20% lower than their low bar, I, to me, that's a weakness. There's a weakness either in their technical aspect of it, or their, maybe their, their core, their upper back, their quads, whatever it is, there's something missing that we can work on. And when we bring up the high bar by using less weight, the low bar should go up with it because we made a weakness, at least not, not a weakness anymore. Hopefully it's a strength. Um, but we improved it and we improved it by not having to go full bore all the time on the big lift, but also by doing something different, which again, I think just mentally is more fun. Yeah. It's not boring. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, a follow up with that be like, so Ryan referenced that uh, used to be a huge proponent for five three one, and then we sort of added West Side on top of that. What what do you look for, or like where do you go when it comes to sort of creating an understanding of like what to adapt to to make our programming better? Sort of like what do you look at, or what do you end up like like when you read a, like a new training method? What are some of the keys that you're looking for to be like, okay, maybe this is something interesting that I need to consider when programming the future for my hands? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think of it like Alan Cosgrove's got a saying, I don't remember it exactly, but it's the idea of like that methods are many, principles are few, methods always change, principles never do. I think I might have gotten that right. Um, so the idea being that like if you're trying to get stronger, you know, you, you take the, the principles of, of getting stronger, um, lifting maximally, lifting fast, uh, lifting for reps, um, things like that. And you can apply a million different methods to that. Um, whether it be five, three, one, like, you know, 
if you're learning how to strain, right? So powerlifting, when it comes down to it, the last lifts that you're doing are probably straining. Um, so max effort work is meant to teach you how to strain. So for Westside, you know, you're looking at, they've got their max effort day where they're working up to a max effort lift on a different exercise on a weekly basis. So they're trying to PR each lift every week. They're learning how to strain. Um, another way you can do it is by throwing on bands. Cause if you don't train against the bands, you're going to, you're going to miss. Um, another way to do it is like with five, three, one, where when you do a plus set and you take that plus set to failure, that last rep is going to, is going to be a strain. Um, so again, like those are, we just did, we're trying to strain. We did it in three different ways. Um, so like I said, there's tons of different methods. So when you see someone write a program and they're arguing whether they should do three sets of 10 or 10 sets of three, because it's, you know, same intensity, same volume, but like, it's, I don't give a shit. It's like, it's not that much different. Um, so how does it apply into the program? Like I said, so something like five, three, one, uh, which, Wendler, and I've said this before too, Wendler is the whole reason I think a lot of it the way I do is because after he did his last meet and he said he couldn't do anything but squat better dead if he wanted to be more athletic. And that's kind of like how I think of with the powerlifting program of like trying to keep you athletic and strong at the same time. Um, but teaching, like, you know, pushing the reps to build a volume base uh, and then learning how to strain, I think is great. Um, we did it for a long time. It worked really well. And what the only problem we saw was eventually there wasn't enough volume and there wasn't enough heavy for powerfers once they got to a point to start to keep progressing so we changed um now i'm looking to put five through one back in not the same way like if you look again if you looked at it you wouldn't say oh that's five three one but i'm looking at it where we have a five week where you know it's the lightest week but more reps the three week a little bit heavier and then the one week is more of like a max week um I'm trying to figure out how to put that in. So it, like, it just gives it lifters another thing to go heavy on, which I think most pofters enjoy because that's the sport. So, I mean, like if it, let's say it's your deadlift day, I could say to you on week one, we're going to do safety squat bar for, um, we're going to work up to a moderately heavy three to get an idea where to be. Uh, the next week we're going to drop that weight 10, 15% and push the reps. Um, take that last set to like a failure, like a five plus week. And then in week three, I'm going to have you work up to a single. So we're going to work up to a max single on the safety squat bar, which most lifters probably haven't done. So it's going to be something that's different. It gets you to set a new number. Um, now you have a new PR and a new goal. So now we can say, okay, you just hit, you know, you're a 500 low bar squatter and you safety squat bar 405. Um, which would make me happy. Um, but now we got to look at it and say, okay, how are we going to get that safety squat bar from 405 to 425 and hopefully be able to get the low bar from 500 to 510 without having to push those heavy weights. But now you have a new number in, in mind. Um, so like I said, I think like I'll, I'll read a bunch of stuff and you know, I'm only, I'm only talking about the poppers right now. I'm not talking about the other athletes that we coach and Bobby weightlifter. Um, but I apply these things to Bobby a lot too. Um, I apply them to the, to a lot of our athletes. Um, it's how does it fit into the program and is it going to correct a weakness? Is it going to, um, make you enjoy what you're doing? Um, so again, I said for powerfters, I think you like to lift heavy stuff. So by doing a five, three, one, where we get to push it on the third week, that's fun. Um, 
but then some stuff like, you know, like the inverted juggernaut, like you said, like we did that for a while where like, that was like the, the 10 sets of five. Like he started off at like five sets of 10 at 60% and he flipped it to 10 sets of five at 60%. Um, you know, the five at 60, you can crush the reps, but 10 sets is a lot. So 10 sets of five, you're going to be, that's a lot of work unless you're keeping like the, the short time, uh, the, the rest time very short. So, you know, I took that and adjusted down a little bit and fit it in. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think it just depends on it, does it hit the principles that we're looking for? Cause like I said, methods, like you can come up with a million different methods. Like just think of like how many different ways you can change a rep. You know, there's probably 10 ways you can change a rep, but it's all a rep. So the thing I say over and over is like as an athlete, as a lifter, if you're, if you get something from your coach and they can't say to you, this is why I wrote this for you, fire them. Um, because they're either putting shit in for no reason, just to fill it just for fluff, or they don't know what they're doing. Um, as for coaches, they should know that. So when they're writing a program, if they just write in something and be like, well, why did I put that in? Is it just for filler? Because if it is, just get rid of it. You don't need it. Um, and if it's not fulfilling a goal, what are we doing? Like either change it or get rid of it. Um, I don't think any of you want to be in the gym lifting for five hours. So like I've been trying to figure out how to, how to limit the day as much as possible while still getting the work in. And that's the tough part because I remember like I talked to Mike Shear like at the Atlanta uh, Raw Nationals four years ago, whatever it was. And I asked him, I'm like, what do you think about, you know, people wanting to get out of the gym in like two hours or less? And he said, do they want to be good? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. He said, then do the fucking work. I'm like, all right. Um, you know, like, and so that's something to be said. And like, and then bring up Mike, like we talked about RP before and it's not my go-to, but it is something that works really well. Um, for a lot of people. And at least it gives you another data point, another set to say, okay, like, you know, that set felt like an eight. And now next week you do it again. You're like, Oh, that felt easier. or felt harder. At least now you have an idea. There's another point to it. So that's, that's, that would be another influence in there. Um, but yeah, short answer is if it fits into what's going to make you better. That's the big thing is like, if it, I don't necessarily care what it is if it's going to make you better. And sometimes that might be some weird shit. Um, I think we do a lot more weird shit than a lot of other teams. Um, but if it works, it works. Um, and if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, then we'll change it. Weird shit. Yeah. I mean, well, like Brian posted like eight minutes ago about Turkish get-ups. Like I, I literally used to write get-ups at the beginning of every person's workout every day until I was told by several athletes to go fuck myself. And we've changed it. And honestly, I might put it back. Um, and a lot of times, if you look at the program, I actually, like how you said in that post, Brian, I break it down. Like, we'll have you do one-arm dumbbell floor press. We'll do uh, McGill sit-ups, get-up sit-ups, half get-ups, overhead kneeling stand, one-arm presses, reverse lunges. Those are get-ups broken mm -hmm. down into, like, eight exercises. If you do 10 get-ups at the, at the end of your workout done well, you're smoked. Your heart rate's going to be through the roof. And you just worked on a ton of things. And I don't know, I, I, you can't tell me that wouldn't make you a better lifter. It might not be a direct carryover to your squat bench and dead, but I can't imagine that would not make you a better lifter.
Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, cause I, I, to the original question, like that's the, how to like, what to think of and how it fits in is we, we don't change, I guess there's very rarely like such a, um, a, uh, like radical idea or, or new idea that comes out. It's just cycles of the same shit. So I, I think if someone has a new take on a new idea or like someone has a, a new way of phrasing it. Like, um, Lately, uh, so uh, everyone at the gym that works at the gym has been taking the uh, the DVRT, the Dynamic um, Variable Resistance Training course, uh, which kind of deals with um, the main thing is ultimate sandbag and, and, and just different movements in general. And it kind of, it didn't even come to the idea of like me thinking like I should put sandbags in training. It just kind of made me think after seeing how they go over uh, like a single leg RDL or like a, a suitcase reverse lunge, and it's simple. But I've been lately just putting in like not maximum effort single leg movements or maximum effort like get up, but like make them fucking hard. Like and it, and it point back to the idea of like West. It's the same idea to point out weaknesses really quickly. Like I had uh, Karen do a and, and Jen do a uh, a really heavy single leg cardio kettlebell, and immediately I was like, oh, that, my hip shifts, and like oh, that that there it is. Like there's something like there's something uh, simple about just doing something safely but heavy and pushing it that might give you some better feedback. So I think we, we, we try a lot of things that are not radical ideas but just different ways of applying it and uh, just, just see how it fits in and see if it, if it works, if it helps. Well, to tag on that DVRT thing, I actually – Josh Hankin and Jessica Benzo who run that, I actually messaged them recently because I was talking to them. I said they are – the best information on the internet right now for fitness. Um, they pump, pump out stuff and it's always very thought provoking, which is why I, I, so I love their stuff. Um, and like you said, it's not just sandbags, that's their method. But if, when you learn the system, the system has all these principles to it behind movement and you can take that movement and apply it in a million different ways. And I love that system. So that's why I wanted you guys to take that um, certification because you can learn a ton from a sandbag course. Um, I wish people would know that better. Like when I took that two day course, I, it was the best course I'd taken in years. Um, and like you said, like, so I think of, like I said, some of my old influences when I started, cause I started in personal training and strength coach or working with athletes, not powerlifters. you know, someone like Mike Boyle has talked about for years doing a rear foot elevated split squat, how the load is significantly less than a heavy squat. So we can load the legs because you're only on one leg very well with less force on the back because you're using less weight. Um, and you can really see people can push that really hard. Um, so I started being a little bit more statistical about it because that's why I like to do everything. So I started telling people like, okay, if you're doing a rear foot elevated, I want you to hold a goblet style until you get to about 25% of your body weight. So we'll use some of the girls, some of the girls that, you know, the 63 kilo lifters, once they get to about a 16 kilo kettlebell, uh, so 35 pounds, I want them to drop two dumbbells by their side. And now I'm now I want to push it. And I have numbers from Mike Boyle that show like if you're if you squat this much, then you should rear foot elevate this much with dumbbells and so on and so forth. And the numbers are high. Um, I see you shaking your head sad because I know you hate those. Um, <laughs> but they should but they bring out like you can do a rear foot elevated with your, your front foot can be very far forward, which is going to hit a little more hamstring and glute. You can shorten up your stance, which is going to hit more quad, more ankle mobility. Um, you can hold it, like I said, at, um, 
at goblet style, which is going to help activate the core more. You can hold it by the sides, which means you can just load the crap out of it more, get your legs more involved. You can hold it in, you know, the backside shoulder. So the foot that's up, you can hold that shoulder. So now you're getting basically a moving plank, a moving side plank. So now you're getting some core work. So if you see someone who maybe they rotate a little bit or maybe they shift a little bit on their squat, I can load up this side with a 35-pound kettlebell, have them do a rear foot. They're going to do the same thing forces them to do this, but they're doing it with 35 pounds instead of 500 pounds. Um, I think that's, to me, that's a huge benefit. So now it's not going to be our main exercise. We're still going to squat, but that's going to be the secondary that's going to help us fix something that's wrong in the squat. And again, maybe not everyone, um, or maybe you're doing it with a long stance or doing it with a short stance or side. Maybe you're doing it barefoot because we need to work on some, some of that um, proprioception for you and getting you a little bit more balanced. Um, but we, there's a lot that you can do there. Um, so like I said, that's a Mike Boyle one or like Alan Cosgrove. I just, I talked on my Instagram the other day a little bit about like he was doing rear foot elevated into a press. And I said, why would you, you know, when would you kind of put that one in instead of just doing rear foot elevated and then a press? Um, and we talked about it a little bit and you know, he talked the same thing about how that's a moving side plank into a press. Now we limited the weight even more, but we're overloading the shoulders, but giving the legs a little bit of a break, blah, 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 blah. There's all this stuff. Um, and I think a lot of coaches could be, could be, could benefit from reading things other than powerlifting. Uh, they could look into um, guys like Mike Boyle and Alan Cosgrove and Mike Robertson and Eric Cressy, Joe DeFranco. I mentioned before, Joe had a big, you know, a lot of stuff with elite. He used a lot of West side stuff. Uh, those guys use a lot of uh, corrective exercises that we use a lot of um, a lot of, you know, would people would consider to be low level exercises, but I gave like Kim the other day um, an incline, L into a press and she was like wow I feel that exactly where it bothers me I said okay we need to work on that because I th I'm pretty sure she did it with like two pounds um so we could either do that or we could you know hammer overhead press with even more weight um so I said you know I do a lot from that world I, I look at a lot of P PTs uh, physical therapists PTs are not personal trainers physical therapists um Charlie Weingroff, who's in Connecticut, like, you know, he's um, a big one that I have a lot of his stuff. Um, Joe Heiler, uh, you know, guys that, like, it make you think a little bit more. And then athletic trainers. Uh, Mike Boyle's an athletic trainer. My wife, Jill, is an athletic trainer. Um, Chris Flores, um, I like Chris's stuff a lot. Um, but they're very different, um, very different mindsets than, like, just powerlifting. Um, and, again, I'm not trying to shit on powerlifting because, like, when it comes to that, like I said, I mentioned Mike Deshier before and uh, Zach Cooper, Jeremy Hartman, Kevin Can. we talk all the time, like, you know, it, we're always using powerlifting ideas. Um, you know, I've, I've read everything from Shiko. Um, you know, I went to a Shiko seminar where he only spoke in Russian and we fucking freaked out. And like, then the interpreter came out after, we're like, oh, thank God. Um, so I think you can draw from everywhere as long as you can filter out the bullshit because there is a lot of bullshit still. Um, so if you kind of have your, your overarching theme of the way that you coach and program, and you can kind of build around that from what you learn and then filter out what's not helpful. Um, and then your program should always, your program should always be evolving. Um, it, I, Alan Coster just talked about it like as a, like a roadmap. You know, we live in Connecticut. We want to drive to California. So we start driving out and then maybe we get to Indiana and, oh, that bridge is broken. We're not going to stop and wait till they rebuild the bridge. We're going to drive around it. That's the roadmap. That's where the program changes. 
Um, I think too many coaches are set and they have to follow the plan from point A to point Z. And, you know, they think it's going to be a straight line. It's not, it's all over the place. Um, and then other people that I think change too often, um, cause you need to give time for stuff to see if it works or not. Um, you know, three weeks of trying something is not enough time to see if it works. Um, which is unfortunate because sometimes we have to run something for 12 weeks to figure out that it didn't help the person a lot. And then you feel like you're a waste of a coach because they didn't get better right away, but now you know what doesn't work for them. So now you can start pulling stuff away. So each time you do that, you're making that window smaller of what's going to work. And now you can figure out what works. And then all of a sudden you have that third or fourth training cycle where they jump like 50 pounds because you figured everything out and it clicked. Uh, and that's fun. So, um, yeah, that could change too. I mean, that's that, that those are so rare. Like the, the 50 pound jump is such a rare thing and it might not fucking work the next time. So you're constantly doing all this stuff. So it's, I think it's, I, I, Constantly, I mean, I know, I know, Ryan is too, and it's just constantly reading books, watching videos, podcasts, everything, just scouring everywhere, uh, which I like and I, I enjoy to find out what's what's new, and what's going on, and, and what people's takes are. But it's it's like a constant cycle of new stuff, trying at different places. So, and it's tough now because there is so much stuff out there. Um, I was talking to a couple of friends the other day about Powerfeeding USA. Uh, talking like Zach Hooper and Eric Cordero about it, like you know, Powerfitting USA was the big Powerfitting magazine forever for everyone. And like, that's how you found out about meat results and stuff like that. But you might not have found out about a meat result for a month um, or depending on when that meat happened, maybe two months. Um, now you know about them in 12 seconds. Like some lifters are coming off the platform and posting their lift that they just hit. So you know immediately what happens. There's so much information out there, which is good and bad. Um, it's good because you can, you can learn so much more and figure out some, it's figure out so much more and try some many more things, but it's bad because now where, you know, maybe 25 years ago, we were doing like these few things and they worked. Now there's all this stuff. And again, how do you filter out that bullshit of what's just being sold to you online? Um, and what actually works. And I think one of those things is like, you look at people who actually coach people. Um, there's a decent amount of people that pump out content and they don't actually coach anyone. Uh, so one of my worries is like, if I see someone pumping out content and they have no one else in any of their videos or any other thing, it's just them all the time. Who are they coaching? Um, I don't care what you can do. Um, I want to like, I, I want to know what, what you've done for your athletes. Uh, Mike Boyle says all the time, like, if you look at Mike, he's, not what you'd expect from a strength coach. But when it comes to strength, by being a strength coach, he's one of the best around. Because um, he need to be, you know, he powerlifted back when he was younger. He got hurt. He changed things. And, you know, he coaches tons of pro guys in college and high school, like, you know, trying to go up through the ranks. Like, try it, filter it, move on. Um I'm going to fuck up another quote, but like Bruce Lee's got like, you know, um, what is it's absorb what is useful, reject what is useless. And then the part that people miss is like, he, then he says, make, 
make uh, adapt that to your own. That's my thing. Like I said before, like I'll take a program and adapt to uh, to our own. Um, I'll I'll do one more and then I'll shut up for now. Like uh, Swede's book, um, Fifth Set. Um, a lot of people were, have been talking about it recently. Like, oh man, Fifth Set. Um, if you know the program, the general, like the really shortened down version is you do four sets of two and the fifth set you rep out. Um, I mean, that's the really dumb version of that. There's a lot more to it than that. But if you look at the way I program, there's usually on a meet cycle a day where we do that. And it's usually with boards, um, but, it's, but it's in there. So like I have an aspect of fifth set and like I said, an aspect of this and like so I'm not running fifth set, but I'm using some of that information. Now, is that by using that, is that, is that fifth set? Like, okay, he named it, but I can't believe that no one in the history of training has done that before. Yeah. Like I'm not doing anything new. We're just, I'm just, I'm putting it in a different package and hoping you don't hate it. <laughs> like, don't notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think, and that I'll go on a little bit of a different route there, but I think there's a lot of coaches that are repackaging stuff and selling it as their own, that it's not their own. Um, which as an athlete, if you're not doing a lot of reading and researching, you, there's no way you're going to know that. So, and if it works, then who gives a shit? Like you don't care. The problem is that that coach is stealing from someone else and is taking money out of their pocket. Um, so, you know, and, and Zach and I have talked about this, like, you know, I'd use Google Sheets. He's like, well, you know, people can steal it from you so easily. I'm like, you know what? If they really want to steal it, it's not that hard. If I password protect an Excel sheet, they can just sit down and write it down and figure it all out and then, you know, post it later. That's what I did with 531. Before the book came out, uh, Vinny DiCenzo was running 531 from Wendler. Wendler was writing it for him. And I would read every log that Vinny did on Elite FTS and be like, okay, this week he did five, 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 at this weight, this weight, this weight. And then the next week was three, three, three. This, and then, like, and after like three or four blocks of it, I was like, okay, 65%, 75%, 85%, 80, or 70, 80, 90, 75, 85, 95. And I was like, okay. And he's working off a sub max. And like, I'm like, oh, I got this. And it's five through one. And then, you, and, okay, we started using it. And then the book came out and it was like, well, I could have just read the book. It would have been easier. Um, but the book is also very heavily based off of Bigger, Faster, Stronger, which is like a high school strength conditioning program that's been done forever. They do a little bit different. They do power cleans for a lot of their stuff, but it's based off of rep maxes at the end of the work, at the end of the, the, the exercise. So none of this shit's new. Like, yeah. So uh, I have a bit of a, uh, an interesting question, I guess. Okay. Um, I went off topic a lot, so go ahead. No, I mean it's it's cool. It's uh, is there a reference influence or something you read that you're all like this is super interesting, but it's super obscure or so out of the realm of like powerlifting that you're all like, I don't know if it would be cool to bring it into the world of powerlifting, or if you don't if you can't think of that, I have a different question. Which is what is the most obscure exercise you have written, right? That you came up not came up with, but you've like compounded to give to someone that were like you're trying to figure something out. Okay, that might be a hard one. Um, I think like lifting wise, like uh, something that's different. Is, I mean, some of the stuff from like like the bodybuilding world, 
um, you know, like, you know, drop sets, um, rest pause sets, uh, super high rep sets, you know, sets of a hundred. Um, I think those, when powerfuls read those, I think you're, it's like, that's stupid. Why would we ever do that? And like, you know, anything over five is cardio. Um, I don't know. I see benefits of that. So, you know, I have no problem with writing, especially when people have a few extra days a week and like, I'll write in a set of bicep curls, uh, usually with bands and bicep press downs of one set of a hundred, not as little as possible as a hundred, like 20 reps, take a few breaths, 20 reps, take a few breaths and just keep going until you hit a hundred reps. If you've never done that, try it. Your arms are pumped like you wouldn't fucking believe. Um, at least in that moment, you feel like a bodybuilder. Um, so I like the bodybuilding stuff a lot with that. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of the stuff is necessarily weird. Um, I know some people look at bands and chains and they're like, Dude, that's crazy. But to us, that's like super normal. That's, you know, what Westside is really known for. Um, I think maybe with powerlifting, the weird one is I really like overhead squats. Um, that I got from big Mike Zawlinski who got that from Dittmar Wolf, um, who I had a little fangirl moment at worlds with this year, um, last year. Um, but Dittmar had, he's big on overhead squats. Um, even with lightweight, it just teaches you how to squat. Well, like if you, if you do an overhead squat poorly, you're going to eat shit. Um, so it teaches you how to squat well, which will carry over to your squat. Um, and then if you can load it, it just, it's got a lot of benefits. So I really like that, which is probably a, probably an obscure one for people. Um, weird exercises. I mean, you guys might be able to answer that better than I do. I give you some weird shit. I can definitely just think of things. Where should you have given us? And it's, again, it's, it's just like variations of stuff, but like something that we've tried recently was the, um, the dumbbell press cable fly. Or you oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Which is cool, but like, no one's that's that's where it's like it's not like completely original, but it's like a variation. Let's take two things, two exercises, and just jam them together and see what happens, and maybe not die. And that one was like, we might die if we don't have a friend. So, so that's so, that one. Right. So like that's a, that's probably a really good one because a lot of people like. I mean, I like using the valve sides for a lot of things, and I like you know the sandbags. So a lot of people like in the powerlifting world will think that's very obscure. To me, it's not because there's so many strength coaches that are using that stuff. But the I don't know what to call it. Um, but basically, like what you said is, so we do. Um, if you have a cable crossover machine, which we just got a year ago, so I've been finally able to do this for the first time in like a decade. It's awesome. So you put wrist uh, ankle straps around your wrists, attach that to the cable crossover, grab two dumbbells, and then you do dumbbell presses. The difference is because when you're dumbbell pressing, the cables are actively pulling you apart in a fly. So you have to squeeze your pecs together as you press. To me, it's like the greatest pec exercise known to man. Um, and every time someone sees it, they're like, where did you come up with this shit? Because the only other person I've ever seen do it was Christian Thibodeau. Um, I actually like regret not using him as an influence. Thibodeau, I've been reading on T Nation for shit, 18 years, something like that now. Um, and he's done Olympic lifting, powerlifting, strength, mass, dieting. He's all over the place, and he's got a lot of great stuff. Um, a couple of his books, like the theory and practice of uh, the theory and application of lifting, and the Big Black Book of Methods, are like two of the best training books you can read. Um, they're amazing. Um, he talks about eccentric work, which like a lot of people are like do tempo stuff now, and like. That theory book is, it's got to be 10 years old. And he's talking about if you're doing a five second eccentric, then you're using your five rep max weight for a five second eccentric. So people now are just saying do eccentrics 
or tempo, and he had a data point to it a decade ago. Um, so Thibodeau's awesome. Um, but yeah, I got that exercise from him years ago, and I used to do it at the YMCA, and people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but like I said, you feel it in your pecs like you wouldn't believe. And then we had, you know, like uh, Kyle was like, well, let's try it on an incline bench then. Let's try it on the floor. Let's, you know, and we did a few different things to it. And I think it's a great exercise, but you're right. Like that would be an obscure one. Um, uh, one I've been given to a lot of people lately because we're at home is either dead man raises um, or natural leg extensions. I don't know what to call either of them. So we, I, those are my names for them. They're both basically a body weight quad exercise. Uh, dead man raises, you kneel down, brace your core, brace your glutes, lean back until you feel this huge stretch in your quads, and then you squeeze your quads to come up. So I call it dead man raise because it looks like a vampire coming out of a coffin. Um, and the natural leg extension I got from Julia Leduski, who's another one has got great shit from Elite FTS. Julia had, um, she gets into like a pike position on a bench, so her feet are on the bench, her hands on the floor. She puts a band from her hands to her feet, and she does like she – She's bent like uh, here and then she shoots her hips up. So she straightens her quads and then by like squeezing and locking out her quads, it becomes a quad exercise. Um, but it's, you know, a single joint quad exercise. So you can really just smoke your quads, but you're getting shoulder stability. You're getting core stability. Um, I like that one a lot. And that, that one's a really obscure one. Um, get ups are probably obscure for most people. Um, even though like that's, hip strength, hip mobility, shoulder strength, shoulder stability, core stability, um, overall strength. Um, it, it, that's a lot. There's a lot. I, that's, a, that's a really good one. Um, and then going like some of the old stuff, uh, we do Saxon side bends. So from Arthur Saxon from back in like the early 1900s. So you press two dumbbells overhead and then do a side bend without eating shit. Um, so, you know, now you're getting oblique and QL stretch, you're getting some oblique and QL work, you're getting some shoulder stability to not drop them. Um, this is going to get, I can keep going here. I'm going to name one more. I'm going to stop. Otherwise it's going to get weird. Right. Get my brain going, but Aaron's press, Chuck Aaron's, uh, Chuck bench, like 600 in like the sixties. Um, and it was basically a standing shoulder press, but out on like a Y. I do it standing. Most of his, I think the pictures of him were usually seated. Um, but he did it with huge dumbbells. Um, if you do it wrong, you drop. So you're getting some like that lateral raise portion of it um, while still doing a shoulder press. Uh, that's a favorite one of mine, which if you leave our gym, I'm not sure anyone that has seen that, at least around here. I mean, obviously that's, you know, because it's more shit I stole. Um, yeah, I mean... Say, what's the weirdest shit I gave you? The weirdest shit you gave me was the um, was the uh, deadlift with the um, band pulling the bar away from me. Oh, okay. I don't know what that specifically. Right. Uh, it was, and I also did it with the a snatch grip one time, which yep. just. Like, if you ever want to just fucking hammer your back and yeah. obliques and everything in your body, it's just, like, it'll light you up, but, like, nothing. It was insane. Um, I, I would say that's... And then, yeah, the Turkish get-ups is something I've never heard about until you wrote it in my program. And then I did it, and it has been my favorite exercise to warm up with by far. 
Yeah. It's, it, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, you know, and that's my favorite and people are like, seriously, I'm like, do it, but do it heavy and do it well. Um, I've been adding some stuff in the programs lately of like adding in like tempo, um, instead of just saying in notes, like, you know, take three seconds, like now I'm writing it in the, in the notes and everything. And Gray Cook, see, that's another one that I can't believe I didn't mention. Um, but Gray Cook and Brett Jones, like with the FMS, they have a, a video series um, called Kalos Thanos, which in Greek is beautiful strength. And to me, that's what all this shit is. And the getup is the, is the epitome of that. So on someone's program the other day, I wrote in the tempo, Kalos Thanos. Um, and I said, this means beautiful strength. And to me, like, if I tell you beautiful strength, it kind of makes sense. You know that the, the, the getup should look, it shouldn't look jerky. It shouldn't look like you're fighting. It should look like this smooth motion that just happens to take like 13 steps. Um, but if you do it right, there's a video of Mark Chang doing 48 kilos, so 106 pounds. It takes him one minute to do one rep on one side, uh, but it looks beautiful. It looks perfect. Um, I think a lot of people could take some effort into some of the stuff like that um, and get more out of it. Yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, I, I just, I've been kind of, I kick on it lately. Just, um, I gave it to everyone that I program now. Like you have to do a heavy get up and they also do hate me. Um, but hey, right, fuck it, yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it just covers so many, it covers every like range of motion. It covers, it, you're not flexing every muscle from like your toe to your head is flexed and, and at some point. And it just kind of, uh, it's simple, but at the same time, like, I've been, I've been like sort of obsessed with lately and just doing and loading as heavy as I can. And it's fun and terrifying. So, but it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun to do. And it's something to work towards. Like I might not be like, well, I don't want to try out things. I will then I'll just do a get up and then I'll go down this rabbit hole of like just working up or, or adding. Sometimes we add in like a press at every, every uh, step of the get up or something, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I, a, I think with that. It's a new goal. It's a new number. It's a new thing to shoot for. Like, you know, the whole going back to West Side is like Louie read about like the Dynamo Barbell Club and like how many different exercises they use with their weightlifters to be able to get to the same point and instead of just like where you know Bulgaria was doing snatch clean jerk squat. Um, the Dynamo Club was doing millions of different variations, and if you, you can actually look it up, they had something like 64 variations. And at the end of the training cycle, when they tried all this, they asked their lifters, and most of them wanted more. They didn't want less variation. They wanted more variation. So, like I said, by giving someone a get-up, like, I'll use Kim as an example right now. We've been slowly working her into it. So, like, we did um, we did some – we did uh, two-hand overhead kneeling to stand. We went to one arm. She's, she did get-up set-ups. Now she's doing some half get-ups. We're building up to um, the full get-up because it is a hard movement to do right off the bat. Um, but it's a new goal. It's a new thing. So like I said, she's, she's going to have a new, without even trying, it's a new goal to add to because once you've been powerlifting for more than a day, um, you're going to get to a point where hitting new PRs is hard. And if you're only trying to PR bench squat deadlift, it, you're going to, you're, you're going to burn out. Um, we see this, I think a fair amount um, where people like, you know, they're a year, two years into the sport and they haven't hit a PR for like 12 weeks, 30 weeks, uh, you know, 50 weeks. And they're like, fuck this, I'm done. 
And it's usually like they're in that suck. You know, like you, when you're a beginner, you're like this, and then you kind of you kind of plateau, and then like everything sucks because you hate it, so you start going back down, and that's the suck. And if you can like just not quit, it's going to go like this. It's going to take off. But when people get into that suck, they're just like, fuck this, I'm done. And I think we can keep that suck from happening as long as possible by giving you more goals. Like I said, what's your safety squat bar max? What's your giant camber bar max? What's your concentric only good morning? Um, you know, what's your, you know, close grip bench press? What's your medium grip t-shirt press? And I, yes, I know I'm kind of being an asshole right now, like if how many different variations, but like it gives you a hundred different goals that all are built into the three main ones that we're competing in. Um, I don't know. And we've talked about with other sports. I think that has a lot to do, like it leads to other sports. Like if you want to be a better basketball player, you can't just take foul shots. You have to build up everything. Um, and I think people think, well, power thing, it's just squat bench dead. But like, I don't know. Like I said, you see some guys that can squat a shit ton of weight and they have like actually fairly small legs and, you know, build some legs. You know, Dan Garcia has no calves. Like, you know, like things like that. You you want to, I don't know. I think just people are thinking too much of the sport, which coming from someone who's a powerlifting coach sounds ridiculous. But I am always thinking of what I can take from outside of the sport. Like I said, from the PT world, from athletic training, from strength and conditioning, from personal training, and how can we bring it in to make powerlifters better and not just thinking power of power powerlift. I think that, like, I don't know, it bores the fuck out of me as a coach. Um, and I think that is why we get the lifters that we get. You guys are, you know, are a little bit more in that you're not as intense is not the right word because you are, because you guys all train your asses off, but you're not as singularly focused on those lifts. You're willing to push the other things and get good at the other things where a lot of lifters only want to push squat bench dead or they only want to do singles um, or they only want to do sets of four at RPE six. Uh, you know, I think you need to be good at everything. And I know that means that we're going to have a slower trajectory. We're not going to, we're not going to win uh, youth worlds. We're, uh, but we're going to be there competing for a long time. Um, and I, I'm going to be a prick here, and I'm going to use that like Brian. How many nationals have you been to now? Uh, or five? Competed at four, I think, maybe five. And every year we go, there's a there's a group of people that you see every year that that you lift with every year. But think about how many people that you never see again. Oh, there's so many. I think and, that, that every year we go and we see like, fuck, that kid is 18. He's out totally by yeah. a thousand pounds. I never see it again. And this is a sport that you should be able to lift in forever. You should be able to do forever. Um, maybe not, you know, maybe we're not going to be Dave Ricks or Tony Harris squatting a gazillion pounds at 60. Um, but you should be able to do, yeah, you should be able to do this for a very long time. Um, and if you're burnt out or hurt, like, that was a waste. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, in summary, um, my influences are very much not powerlifting. Um, and that has nothing to do negatively against powerlifting. I think a lot of the powerlifting stuff is great. I think, you know, we're pumping out a lot of good information now. Um, I think we can just branch out and do better. Do better. Thank you.